I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast here with me, Dr. Janelle Anderson, where it is my job to share with you the latest and best ideas on workplace dynamics, communication, and leadership, delivering actionable tips and techniques that you can use at work today. Now today, my friends, I have something very special for you. I was recently a guest on a program hosted by St. Mary's University of Minnesota and my good friend and colleague, Dr. Amy Jowman. The program was called New Solutions for the New Normal, Tough Conversations in the Remote Work Environment and Beyond. During the session, Amy and I tackled the tough questions that we've been receiving throughout the pandemic. The tough questions about remote work, about hybrid work, about sensitive management issues, annoying colleagues, and beyond. We structured it like questions in an advice column, with questions from the likes of worried in Wilmington and stressed in San Antonio. We share each of the scenarios and related questions, and then we each dive in and give our best advice. Sometimes we agree, and sometimes we have point and counterpoint. Before we dive into the conversation between Amy and I, let me tell you a little bit more about Dr. Jowman. She is a woman of many talents. She's an author, a ghostwriter, an international speaker, and the program director for the Masters in Human Resource Management program at St. Mary's University of Minnesota. Amy and I got to know one another when we held board positions on the Women Entrepreneurs of Minnesota Board of Directors many, many years ago. She is a delightful person, and I am so glad to have her in my network. Please enjoy our Dear Abby-style conversation as we troubleshoot some of the most challenging workplace situations of our time. These are questions that Amy and I have been receiving over and over in the pandemic, at least, you know, some flavor or variation of them. And as she said, we've kind of wordsmithed them and pulled them together. And these are probably representative of things that you might have experienced as well. And if there are other questions that you have that these remind you of, then you say, oh, well, wait a minute, I've got this other one. What's their take on this? We're also going to be taking your questions. So, and I know Amy said that at the top of the hour, but I just wanted to chime in with that too. Use that Q&A feature to send us some additional questions and see us think on our feet. See, that's that teacher aspect too, right? You have to say everything a couple of times because we know people have got a lot of things going on and there's some multitasking going. So it's a fantastic reminder. So, all right. The first question we hear all the time, we decided came from Wilmington. So uh, now that we've learned that we can work from home, my employees don't want to come back into the office. Show of hands, who's heard this before? <laughs> my company wants everyone back um, the way that they were. So here I am as the leader saying, I think some of my employees are going to go find a job with more flexible working arrangements. So what do I do? So we had a little bit of a pickle in the middle scenario here. We've got the, the leadership saying this mandate is happening. 
we've got kind of more like the line leader saying, well, okay, I can put this into to place, but I, I'm going to get pushback or maybe not even pushback. People are just going to leave because there's so much press out there about alternative work arrangements and, and things along those lines. So Janelle, what is your kind of initial take on this question? So in this situation, as you called it, you know, the pickle in the middle, I think this leader needs to lead up and lead down. And in leading and managing up, I think the leader needs to really be clear to their senior management about what their concerns are related to attrition and turnover, and then be clear with their senior leaders that this is, you know, a strong concern and be ready for, um, and in fact, if you really wanted to be persuasive, I would say get the turnover data to support and specifically the financial data to support what it costs in an organization to have, you know, massive levels of turnover. Because I think the senior leaders here in, we're in Wilmington, Wilmington might be a little bit out of touch because what most of the prognosticators and futurists are saying is that the workplace is forever changed and we're not going back to the way things were. There is no, that we're not going back to that normal. That doesn't exist anymore and it won't exist in the future. So in, in this case, I think the senior leaders are a little out of touch, but also are, are worried in Wilmington needs to lead downward as well and talk to their employees about what their legitimate concerns are. Because it's one thing to just, you know, have a hunch that maybe there would be turnover. But I think having some frank discussions with your staff about and also getting from your senior leaders, what are the actual reasons we want people back in the office? And there are some types of jobs that are just either done better or relationships stronger or even just logistically are smoother in the office. But but get that, make some data-driven decisions and have some, get some data in those conversations. That's what I say. What's your take, Amy? Fantastic. Well, first off, I have to acknowledge how impressed I am that you've fully embraced addressing worried in Wilmington by their full name, because I think we need to carry that like through our, our whole theme. I, I, I just absolutely love that. But I actually went immediately to the very end of Janelle's conversation as my first thought. My first thought was what is driving this mandate? Because figuring that out tends to lead to meaningful conversations and or change or no change. So what I mean by that is, let's say we have a senior leadership team member that steps forward and says, I know that all of these organizations are making this change to remote work. And maybe I even know that the futurists are saying, like maybe I've read that article, but it doesn't work for us. And sometimes in organizations, that's where the conversation stops. And that's a problem oftentimes with retaining employees because the senior leadership team thinks that everybody understands their positive intention and is on board when in actuality, they stopped that sentiment too early and too short. And they just lost the engagement of all of their employees because there's all this other stuff going on. So here in Minneapolis, I know we've got people coming in from, from all over the world, but here in Minneapolis, a big company we have is Target and they're headquartered here. And a lot of what we hear from when Target makes a big move, it makes the news. So just imagine you're an employee in a company and you see a news feature about a company and it's saying what Target said, which is we learned in the pandemic that our people are resilient and they did their job 
as well or better than numbers prove it. So we're, you know, we're implementing, I forget what they're called, flex for your day, I think is what they're calling it. So we're implementing this new technique. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but we trust our people to make their decisions about when they need to be in the office and when they don't need to be in the office. So just think about that layer that goes on top of, hmm, I kind of like working from home, um, but I, you know, maybe they're even thinking like, okay, but whatever, I'll go back to the office. But now we've got all these other messages coming from the world. And it, it has things like employers talking about valuing and trusting employees and concrete measurement. And now that that message from from up top that just said, hear my words, follow my orders is does even more damage. And to Janelle's point, it might be that that person up at the top has a fantastic reason, but they just haven't articulated. They could have access to information. They might know something that's coming around the bend. They uh, might have a, a completely different plan. I, who knows what it is? And it could be as simple as sharing that. Or of course, the opposite could be true, where when we ask that leader, hey, tell me more, tell me what you're really looking for here, we might shift them into that kind of little bit more, uh, being more open to the, the flexible work arrangements. So anything else for Worried in Wilmington, Janelle? Wishing Worried in Wilmington the greatest of luck and success in navigating. We think they'll be fine. Let's see what else we've got here. Okay. So after Worried in Wilmington, we've got stressing in San Antonio. So what's happening in San Antonio? My employee has undergone an unprecedented amount of stress. So we've got death in the family, a spouse's job loss, kids at home more than usual, which, well, it's a stress, right? Probably something we can all relate to. And their productivity uh, or the quality of their work has declined to the point where it's negatively affecting others. Now, this is a very important part of the story, okay? So we've got a two-part question from San Antonio. One is, how do I talk to them about their performance without seeming insensitive? And how do I talk to them about their performance in a way that is helpful instead of adding more stress? So San Antonio here is asking a lot of the right questions, right? But I like to acknowledge they're, they're thinking about their own reputation as well as the health and wellness of their employee. And I just think that that's worth mentioning because it's both, both pieces are, are important. So do you have initial thoughts on this, Janelle? Well, sure. And I think I completely agree with what you just said in terms of they're asking the right questions. And if they're already asking and sensitive to the idea of potentially coming off as insensitive, they have at least some level of awareness about what they're doing. So I have a sense that with a little bit of coaching from us, stressing in San Antonio, it's going to nail this conversation. Totally, totally. So my, my initial thoughts beyond that are that, um, you know, first with the specific circumstances that stressing in San Antonio is dealing with, uh, or that, that employee, I should say, the employee's specific circumstances of, you know, all of the things, it seems like all of the things related to the pandemic hit that employee with the death in the family and the spouse's job loss and, and so on, the kids at home, of course. And I think employees have lots of pressure in this pandemic. There's emotional pressure, especially about concern about health and job loss and, and, and the emotional side of it. Then there's the economic side of it because of, you know, 
less income and so on. And that puts an additional strain on the family as well as an additional strain on this employee, because now they're thinking like, they might be feeling, what if I got laid off? Well, we were both fired or laid off or, or whatever. And then just sometimes there's an additional like sense of complacency that comes along with being in a time like this, which can negatively impact somebody's productivity. So we've got all of that going on with stressing in San Antonio's employee. And I think the way into this conversation is to acknowledge all of that as a starting point. And that really is, in, in, in fact, in my book, Head On, How to Address Difficult Conversations Directly, I talk about something called a sensitivity cue, which is the very first part of a conversation that is difficult to sort of cue up the other person like, hey, this is going to be a sensitive topic. But I think in this case, we're not just cueing them up to say this is a, going to be a sensitive topic. We're also cueing them up to say, this is a sensitive topic and I want to be sensitive with you about it because this is hard stuff you're dealing with. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy, or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. Those are my initial thoughts stepping into the conversation. What do you think? You know, for this one, my HR background, right? So when I think about all my HR students at St. Mary's, um, they all come in with different roles. So our conversations are always very interesting because, of course, we can have people from the organization development side. We can have people from the much more kind of tactical side. We're kind of all over the map with how we do this HR work. But almost everybody has some kind of overlap with people navigating difficult waters. But in that professional setting, it can be really dicey about what we talk about and how, right? And it varies by situation. There, you could have a situation where even state or, you know, or, or governing laws intervene, you know, what can be discussed and what can happen. But here's the, the first thing that, that came to my mind when I was thinking about this. So in the pandemic, the, the extra layer that I feel like got put over this, because this exact situation could have happened in 2018, right? And then what would we have done? What would have happened if we had had an employee in a traditional work environment uh, no worldwide crisis happening that was really struggling from uh, the job loss of a spouse and potentially even on top of that, a handful of other things. We weren't immune prior to the pandemic. I think what brought stressing in San, in San Antonio to the, to the surface was that in our roles as leaders and HR professionals and, and decision makers, we saw so much more of this. And there was such a kind of a spotlight on it in the media. And, and there was so much of a request to be, uh, to be sensitive and to be kind. So what I keep thinking about is one of the first things Janelle said, which is to, to really focus on facts and, and to, to really focus on 
like, let's get into the day-to-day stuff, like what's happening so we can figure it out together. Because if something is happening where you're just not getting work done, the most caring thing that I can do for my team, all those people is to solve this issue, which is you, right? So San Antonio is the, is the hitch in our giddy up as it were. So how, you know, how are we going to solve that? That's how I love my team. That's, that's how I am the compassionate leader is by having that challenging conversation. But just one other piece uh, compounded by the pandemic, I feel like leaders feel like they can't tell what's happening as much. That's the other thing that I'm, I'm hearing. So not only do we have all this pressure from the outside world saying, be kind, be generous, be flexible, that we're trying to balance with, yeah, but I, I've still got to keep the lights on. You know, like not only do we have that, it just feels like there, there's more out there that we have to be balancing that we, we aren't always aware of. So, well, and I think too, I, I, I want to spin off of one of the things that you mentioned there, the, the, the we, you use the term, the, the plural pronoun a few times, we. And, and that is one of the things that stressing in San Antonio really needs to take on is the sense of I'm on the same team as my team member. And in starting that conversation with, you know, acknowledging the circumstances and then focusing on the facts related to their work performance and tying those facts of their work performance to organizational goals and outcomes is the way into that conversation. Once, the, once you've gotten into that conversation, then we really need to connect the facts of their job performance and how it's missing the mark on the organizational outcomes that they need to be hitting because then it makes it not about that employee anymore. It makes it about the work that is getting done or not getting done. It makes it about the dynamics between the team members and because that seems like that's part of it because it's now impacting more than just um, the individual's work, it's impacting the whole team. And then, and, and then the other last thing I wanna say about it is just circling back to that idea of we and really making the employee feel like you're on their side and you're looking to help coach them back up to performance level, not in a punitive way, but in the way of a, of a good, strong coach. Yeah. I'm curious, Janelle, we hear this sometimes. Do you ever get people who say, I don't use we because I want the employee to understand that it's their success. They are, they are solely responsible for their own success. I, I can't imagine as often as I hear that, that you never hear that. But is there any truth in that? Well, absolutely. There's, there's truth in that. And I, man, we could do an entire, <laughs> an entire webinar on personal pronoun use. Because I do Come back some... next month for the we episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The we, I episode. Um, so I think there's a time and place for we, and there is a time and place for you. And also a time and place for I. And in fact, like in, in difficult conversations, I'm often asked about using I statements. And my take on I statements is that they don't belong in a difficult conversation because if I, Amy, if I'm having a difficult conversation with you and I'm using lots of I statements, now it's about me, but I don't want that conversation to be about me or how how I'm interpreting your behavior. I want to keep it on the organizational impact of the work that we're doing together. And so in many cases, I will suggest taking out all personal pronouns because that helps us keep the conversation pointed at the work itself. And, but in this case, I was advocating a little bit of use of we to, to make the person feel supported. Yeah. And isn't that kind of the point of in these newer times that that might be the exact bit of permission to be flexible that leaders are looking for is like, Hey, maybe where I've had this concern before in these uncertain times, maybe it's time to let go of that. 
Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look at who's next on deck. Oh, good. Exercising in Edina. And for those of you who are not from Minnesota, it is Edina, not Edina, which is what I always hear outside of outside of Minnesota. And I understand so, that it shows up in lots of um, crossword puzzles. Really? Yes. It is a well, common crossword puzzle answer. <laughs> so next time you have five open spaces, just go for Edina. Uh, so here we are with a coworker who exercises during our weekly meeting because we're good friends and they feel relaxed around me. But I feel like that means that they don't take our meetings seriously and it's really distracting. So exercising in Edina is wondering, first of all, looking for a little bit of validation because our first question here is, is that an irrational feeling? And the second question is then, should I say something about it? So again, we've got some nice uh, introspection here, you know, like we've got kind of some, some nice uh, awareness happening. Any initial thoughts on that, Janelle? Well, my initial thought on exercising in Edina is it just made me laugh because it reminded me of, it's a very realistic concern. And this goes back to well before 2018, when I was working with a client and, uh, and we were doing some training and I was putting together a few scenarios and customizing the training for them. And I had one a scenario about how to address your coworker who's walking around during the workday, taking conference calls to try to get all their steps in, wearing a Fitbit. And so as I was reviewing the, uh, the training materials with the HR director about a week or so before we were going to press with the, with the workbook materials and so forth, she said, yeah, but we have to take this one out about the Fitbit one. And I said, oh, why? Is it like, is that too you know, different from what could happen here. She said, no, 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 is that happens here. It's the president of our company who does that though. So we can't talk, <laughs> we can't talk about that. And so I said, well, how that's like a hashtag <laughs> awkward consulting right. moment right there. Like, oh, so we shouldn't call out the president. Okay. But it's, it's a real concern. And she wanted to know how do we address it and how do we stop it in our organization? But can we not put that, can we not put that in the printed material? <laughs> so this is, you know, also a, a pre-pandemic issue. And I'm sure this will continue to be an issue long after the pandemic is over, especially as workplaces tend to have, a, or at least again, what the prognosticators and futurists are all saying is that there will be like target, you know, work for your day, do what works best for your day. So this is going to, this is going to persist. Now, is it irrational? I think anything that somebody else is doing that makes it feel to you like they're not giving you their divided, undivided attention is something that's on the table to be addressed. So I don't think it's irrational. I do think it should be handled and, and I do think they should say something. So I think they should um, express their concern to the other person to say like, hey, help me understand. And I think that's a great phrase to use anytime you're entering into a, a conversation where you really don't understand what the other person's motives are to get yourself into a place of curiosity. And to have a frank conversation with the other person about it, because you might learn something that like, no, their brain is on high alert and they are there at their very best while they're walking on their treadmill or while they are, you know, whatever. Now, obviously, if it's if it's vigorous exercise, if they're running or doing something that really feels that they cannot give you their undivided attention, then I think that conversation goes in a slightly different direction and it is more of a request. Hey, when we meet or during our team meetings, we can't have you out on a run. We yeah, need can you, you just not? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what's your take? 
I love that. I think I agree uh, um, quite a lot. And the thing that stood out to me in exercise in Edina's, in Edina's story was the fact that they are good friends. And I think that when people see things like that, when they, they have a really good rapport with the coworker, they think, oh, I don't want to do something to mess it up. But what they don't realize is what an advantage that is, because you can have that frank conversation or even kind of a little bit, maybe jokingly, but make your point clear, <laughs> you know, talk about the fact that, hey, this, this really isn't working for me. And I love the fact that the question is asked too about like, is this an irrational feeling? Because occasionally in pandemic times, that was the other thing that really stood out. I don't know about everybody else, but I've had a handful of things that like all of a sudden something was bothering me more than it used to before. And acknowledging that and asking that question of like, am I overreacting to this? Or like even, even kind of brainstorming with people about like what's going on there. Sometimes it's helped identify some of my own stress levels, you know, like getting at the root of, of like, why does this thing bother me so much or bother me all of the sudden? Is there, is there something else going on there? But what stood out for, for me with exercising in Edina is it's a great opportunity to leverage an existing healthy relationship to just be honest not saying something is, I'm just going to go ahead and say never a, a really good plan. So, I mean, it's, it's only going to fester. Right. Because if, if you hold back on that, then that's going to negatively impact the relationship because then there's always that thing in the space that you're not talking about that elephant in the room as it were. Okay. In this session, Amy and I provided advice to worried in Wilmington, stressing in San Antonio and exercising in Edina. But that was only half of our discussion. We also covered several other scenarios, including fairness in Fairmont and hiding in Hamilton. Be sure to tune into the next episode where I share the rest of our wide-ranging conversation, including our responses to those situations and more. Okay, my friends, that's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, especially if you think they might be able to relate to one or more of the situations we covered. And I'll see you here next week for another episode of Working Conversations. Until then, take good care. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.